Well, a shout out to uh, the Biola College Row right here, all the way from California, right? This is Illinois, right? <laughs> um, so speaking of college, I went to Northern Illinois University, which is what direction? That way, okay. And a class that everybody signed up for was film appreciation. Because you got credit for watching movies, right? But not everybody who takes a film appreciation class passes. Because what they, what they tell you to do or show you how to do is not passively watch a movie, but to actively watch a movie. You go, well, what's, what's passively? Well, passively, you're just sitting there eating your popcorn, being entertained. Uh, you walk out and you go, oh, that was good. To actively watch, you're looking for the point. All right? Inter interesting. Next time you talk with somebody about a movie, don't just say, don't just ask, did you like it? or what was your favorite scene, or who was in it, but what was the point? A lot of people go, well, I never thought about that, but I like the scene where they, they blew things up and the horse ate the oats and blah, 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 you know, whatever. <laughs> so to actively watch a movie, you're looking for the point, and you're detecting themes. Right? There's going to be reoccurring themes throughout the movie. Now, the same is true when it comes to reading scripture, especially narrative. Narrative is when it's telling a story. Right? You might think, well, John, he's just recording facts. Jesus did this, he said that, Here's, here was his trial, here's what was said there. But even the way those facts are told, he's making a point, and there are discernible themes to look for. You know, um, one way to tell what John is trying to say is he, he oftentimes uses threes to communicate a theme. Remember last week? Um, Peter denied that he knew Jesus how many times? Three times. You go to chapter 21, Jesus then forgives Peter how many times? Three times, right? So um, when John repeats something three times, I'm going to say that's a theme that's adding to uh, the, the main point of the message. All right? Now today, we are going to see Jesus stand trial before Pontius Pilate, the governor of Judea. Three times, Pilate says, I find no guilt in this man. So the main point of this whole thing, there's a lot of words, but the main point is Jesus is innocent. All right? So let's, let, he, is, he is innocent as God, but he is also legally, before the governor, innocent. Then there, there are three times 
that Pilate tries to get Jesus off the hook. Pilate knows he's innocent, so he announces or pronounces his innocence three times, but three times he resorts to, I'm going to call them ploys, to try to get out from having to sentence him to death. But he ultimately, Pilate, ultimately chooses political pressure or people-pleasing over truth. And despite knowing that Jesus is innocent, he keeps his job and pronounces him guilty. All right? So, um, here's kind of my strategy today. I'm going to do the running commentary approach where we'll read some verses and then uh, we'll, we'll just see what we observe. But what I want to do is keep a running tally of the three times Pilate acquits Jesus. So we'll put a tally mark up every time. And then the three ploys that he uses to try to get out from having to sentence him. Okay, so let's begin. Now, by the way, um, a couple weeks ago, we saw Jesus arrested in the garden. That's where Peter uh, chops off the ear of Malchus and uh, he's arrested. First of all, he is brought to the house, not of the high priest, but of the high priest's father-in-law, Annas. And there uh, he's punched in the face. Then he's brought to the house of Caiaphas, the high priest. And that's where Peter, out in the courtyard, denies that he knows Jesus three times. And now uh, it's, it's morning, and they bring him to Governor Pontius Pilate's house. And that's where we will begin. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early in the morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. Now, um, what's, what's going on here? Well, let's murder an innocent man, but to keep the ceremonial rules Let's not go into a Gentile's house because he might have eaten bacon, which would make him unclean, and that would rub off on us, and that would disqualify us from celebrating the Passover where we are going to eat a lamb. And all along, we're clueless that that lamb that we're eating is only a symbol pointing to Jesus, who is the Lamb of God, who we're in the middle of murdering. The hypocrisy. Right. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? Okay, now here's, here's their accusation. They answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Classic example of begging the question or circular uh, reasoning. Okay, so that would be like, um, let's say we say, um, I, I think Elizabeth is um, practicing witchcraft. Right? And we bring her before the church tribunal. 
And she says, well, what's your evidence? And we go, evidence? Our evidence is that you're at a witch trial. Kind of circular, isn't it? Yeah. Don't worry. We're not going to do that this week, okay? So here, here's, here's our guy. He's guilty. What did he do? We, he wouldn't, we wouldn't have brought him here if he wasn't guilty, okay? Pilate said to them, and he, he suspects this is just a, a religious squabble, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. This is a religious matter. You Jews have all your crazy laws about what you can eat and what you can and can't do on the Sabbath. Don't drag me into your inner church squabbles. Judge him yourself. But here's how they respond. The Jews said to him, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. Do, 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 do. Right? That raised the temperature. Pilate's thinking, oh, now I see why you're involving me, the Gentile governor. You want him dead. And only I have the authority to pronounce the death penalty. So he realizes this isn't just a little squabble. They want him to sentence him to death. Now, it goes on to say, this was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Now, um, sometimes the Jews took matters into their own hands and they would stone a person. But they didn't want Jesus to die that easily. That's a, that's a pretty mild way to die. They wanted him to experience maximum pain. So they bring him to the governor so he will sentence him, who's Jesus, a non-Roman, a non-Roman citizen, so he would be sentenced to die by crucifixion. So John says, or earlier John wrote this. Jesus said this, when I am lifted up from the earth, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So here at the Last Supper, or right before the Last Supper, I should say, uh, he is saying, I will be lifted up. When you're stoned, you're not lifted up. When you're crucified, you're lifted up. So, Mr. Pilate, we would like you to sentence him, a non-Roman, to the death penalty. That means by crucifixion. Right? So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Now, now, what's going on here? Pilate figures if Jesus is being tried for something as serious as a capital offense, he must be claiming some kind of rebellion against Rome. Is he starting a rebellion and claiming to be the king? 
of the Jews. So then Jesus answers. Wait a minute. Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Now, what, what, is, why, what is Jesus doing here? He's, he's saying this. If we're going to use your definition of king, Mr. Pilate, if this is coming from your own accord, your own thoughts, then the answer is no, I'm not a king. If, on the other hand, we're using the Jews' definition, if you got this from them, then they may be using the term king to mean Messiah. Yes, I am a king. So he's trying to get some clarification here. Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Right? Peter thought it was, and Jesus had to stop the whole sword fight thing. Okay? But in essence, Jesus is saying, no, I'm not a threat to Rome. I'm not that kind of a king. I'm the king of a spiritual realm. Not a king who has an army that fights with swords and clubs. Pilate doesn't really get it. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. Okay, yes. In a certain sense, I am a king. As long as we're speaking of the kind of king I'm talking about. Speaking of truth, for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I've come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Isn't that interesting? You know how I can tell if you're after truth or not? If you're not a Christian, you're not really after truth. You know, well, that's, that's an audacious claim. Well, look at it from this perspective. If Jesus is God and he created reality, then if you're truly seeking what's real and true, you're going to come to the conclusion that he is who he claims he is. If not, then you're not really seeking after truth. Just acknowledging reality as it is will lead you to Christ. Pilate said to him, what is truth? Yeah, yeah, truth. Let's not get all philosophical here. You, you, you must be some kind of philosopher or prophet. But whatever you are, Pilate realizes, you're not a threat to Caesar. So, after he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. So here's our, uh, our tallies, right? Here are the acquittals. Here are his ploys. Tally number one, right? 
I find no guilt in him. But Pilate knows that they're not going to let him off the, the, the hook that easily. So he resorts to what I'm going to call a ploy. Rather than making the call as the governor, as the judge, he offers to let them choose between two people who are on trial. Okay? There was a custom that he would let the Jews set a Jewish prisoner free. Now, in Matthew's gospel, Pilate sets the terms of the choice. You can either set Jesus free or this, Matthew calls him, a notorious criminal named Barabbas. You can set him free. Who should I set free? The notorious guy, you know, Charles Manson, or Billy Graham. So this, I'm going to call this ploy number one. Okay, did we read this yet? Yeah, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Who do they choose? Barabbas. They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. All right, that didn't work. Hmm, what else can I do to try to to get out from having to sentence him to death? I know, let's bloody him up. All right. Chapter 19, then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. Now, um, there's a, a scholarly debate as to whether this is uh, the horrible flogging that most people who were crucified got, or if this was just a lighter version of that, and then Jesus endured a second flogging. So we'll let the scholars figure that out. But I think what Pilate is doing here is he's saying, I'll punish him, he'll come out all bloody, and, and that'll satisfy their bloodlust enough, uh, and then, then, then I can let him go, okay? You know, um, one of the most horrifying scenes in all of, of film history, I'm, I'm, I sound like I'm a film critic here, I'm not really a big movie fan, but uh, in the Passion of the Christ. The flogging scene is almost unbearable when you see what they did before they crucified a man. So he sends them, him, to the, 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 the soldiers, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! and struck him with their hands. So they don't know what's going on. All they know is this helpless guy is claiming somehow to be a king. Oh, let's make him a king. And they mock him and beat him up and bow before him. And little do they know that one day they will bow before Jesus, 
as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now they're doing it mockingly, but one day they will bow their knee before Jesus. So they bring Jesus back. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. That's number two, right? Second acquittal. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Come on, this is your threat? This clownish person dripping in blood with a mock crown? This is the guy you're, you want to be put to death? Come on. That's his second ploy. All right? Bloody him up, mock him, they'll let him go. Do they? When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. That's number three. Three times he has been acquitted by the, the governor. Now, the Jews answered him, we have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. So Pilate, he's not a Jew, he's a Roman, they had their whole system of gods and uh, they believed in the supernatural and this son of God talk has spooked him. Maybe I am messing with God or the son of God here. He gets even more spooked when his wife tells him, and this is from Matthew's gospel, have nothing to do with that righteous man. I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. So they have this superstitious world they live in. And she has a dream about Jesus and suffered much. Pilate, don't do this. Now the, the, the Jewish leaders are calling him the son of God. His wife is saying, I've had a dream. Don't mess with this guy. So now he's panicked. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? Are you really from heaven? Are you really God? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, Okay, he's... Pilate says he, he, he won't talk, but he's spooked, so he's, he's going to play... Uh, the tough guy now. Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? So here he's pulling a power play on Jesus. 
I can have you crucified. And what does Jesus say? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. I think that would be a good thing for all politicians to remember. All right? Just to keep in perspective, you know, whether you're a president or a senator or a governor or local, you know, alderman, your authority is not from yourself or to be used for your own selfish advantage. It's from God and you will give an account to him. So Pilate thinks, you don't understand this, uh, Jesus I need an answer. So Jesus says, Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. So uh, he, he, he's kind of the, the man in the middle. Pilate's like, I, I want to set you free, but you got to talk to me. I have authority to, to kill you. You don't have any authority unless God had given it to you. All right. But then he says, therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. What you're going to do is sinful by sentencing me to death. But you're not half as guilty as Caiaphas. He masterminded this whole thing. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. Now, John doesn't tell us exactly what he did here. It might have been another ploy where he says, I wash my hands. He actually has has a pitcher of water brought out and he washes his hands. He says, this is not my decision, it's yours. But that doesn't relieve him of his responsibility. It was just a symbolic washing of his hands. Or this could be referring to another thing uh, that, that he did in Matthew's gospel. He remembers that Herod is in town. Okay, so he's the governor, Pilate's the governor, but the king, not Caesar over Rome, but the king over this region is Herod. And he thinks, oh, I can send it up the line to the higher court. And he sends Jesus to stand trial before Herod. Now, Herod had been wanting to to meet Jesus, but you know what he wanted? He wanted him to perform a trick for him. He had heard that Jesus did miracles. Oh, God, I get a private showing. Perform for me. Jesus wouldn't perform. So he dresses Jesus up and mocks him and uh, sends him back to Pilate. So whether it's the hand washing or sending, sending him to Herod, um, we now have three acquittals and three ploys. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, 
and in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Gabbatha is where he's sentenced, and Golgotha is where he's crucified. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. Again, a mockery. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. See, they're pulling the Caesar card. This man claims to be a king. That's a threat to Caesar. Pilate had gotten in trouble for making some decisions uh, that, that, that Caesar didn't like. And they're basically saying, if you don't crucify him, we're going to go to your boss, Caesar, and tell him that you didn't put down an insurrection. So Pilate hands Jesus over to be crucified. What's the point? Jesus is innocent. Pilate is horribly guilty. What's your decision about Jesus? You know, a lot of people have not definitively decided for Jesus or definitively rejected Jesus, but they're kind of like Pilate. They may even think he's innocent. You may think he's innocent. You may even think he's the son of God. You may say, I have nothing against Jesus. I even suspect he's the son of God. I even suspect he's the Messiah. I even suspect he rose from the dead. But I'm not going to make a definitive decision because that would really change my life. I don't like the implications. So I'm going to play it safe in the middle. But as we see with Pilate, there's no safety in the middle. To choose not to decide is to choose against Jesus. I want to encourage you, especially as we come into this Easter season, to definitively decide for Jesus. Yes, it will change your life. He will change your life. He will also forgive your sins. He he will guarantee you eternal life. He will bring you into the church. He will give you His Word. He will give you His Holy Spirit. Will you receive Him? Let's pray. Lord, we learn from Pilate that there's no middle ground. And many people try to straddle that middle ground. 
But Lord, I pray that you would do a work in everyone's heart, that we would see that Jesus is King of kings, Lord of lords, who humbled himself to voluntarily die on the cross to pay for our sins. Lord, do a work in this building, in this state, in this country, in this world. May multitudes come to truly place their faith in you, King of kings and Lord of lords. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.